Yahweh. Praise God. We have been in a season called Church is Awesome. We've been talking about the church, about, uh, thank you, Brother Mike, about how God has blessed the church, increased the church, what, what he said about his church, um, and why, you know, I spent some time. You have to go back. I don't have time today because I want to go eat with you. But, uh, you know, talking about why do we go to church? What's that about? Uh, why do we attend church? And, and what is the global church, the capital C church, some people call it? Um, all those things. And they, they all matter. They're all valuable, valuable things. You know, there are five aspects of church. Five aspects of church. Uh, one of which we're going to do today. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship, fellowship is important. We're going to do that today. When you, when you find a, a one place the Bible says that... Uh, They went to their own company, their own companions, their own believers. And when you find that, you'll find fellowship. So we we provide opportunities for that here. We we want you to hang out with each other, spend time with each other. And not just here, you might, you know, build a relationship and it might extend outside of these four walls. But you should fellowship. Second is evangelism. That that we should be reaching the lost. Everybody say amen. Amen. I want to do, <clears throat> this is brand new in my heart as of this weekend, um, or Friday, I think, is when the Lord put it on my heart. And so I do not have all the details, but I want to go ahead and plant the seed today. I want to do an Easter outreach. Right before Easter, I want to go out maybe to Sand Hills or maybe go out to some area. And whoever comes, if it's just me and my family, fine. But I, I believe that there'll be several of you in here that want to do that. You're looking for an outlet of evangelism. You, you don't mind. Some of you, you, you know, you, you, you might not want to just go and talk to a stranger. I would talk to a tree and I'll get it to talk back. I'm Okay, not really. But I'm just telling you, I will talk to anybody, anything I... I don't, I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I know several will do it with me. Number three is worship. Everybody say worship. We did that just now. Uh, number four, ministry and prayer. I did that last week. We provide opportunities for that uh, pretty much at every one of our services and sometimes during the service. So when I say I did that last week, I do it every week. But what I mean is that during the service, there was a moment of praying for people and ministering, ministering to those who are hurting, ministering to those who are sick. Amen. And when the fifth one is discipleship, everybody say that one, say discipleship. So what do we do? We, we, uh, that's part of my job as a pastor to disciple you, to, to lead, to, to, uh, help you develop the best relationship with God that you can have. Number one. Number two, equip you for the work of the ministry. So again, giving you things to do so that you are a part of what God asked us all to do. What did he ask us to do? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. Love God, love people. So my job as a pastor, and there are others that help uh, with this. They're, they're called the five-fold gifts. Pastors, prophets, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and apostles. The, the, we, we work together for that purpose, to, to help the body of Christ. All right, so what does our church do? Well, well, look at Matthew 16, 18. And also I say to you that you are Peter. This is Jesus talking. He's telling Peter that he's not building the church on Peter. Just before this, Peter made a great point that nobody else had made. He said, I believe that you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah 
who we've been believing for and praying for. And so he, he, he stands there before the disciples and before Jesus and says, you are Jesus Christ. So when Jesus is saying, okay, I'm changing your name from Simon to Peter. That's what we see here. That's what he did. Jesus said, boom, you're not Simon anymore. You're Peter. And he says, and on this rock, I will build my church. Peter wasn't the rock. What was the rock? Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ. Jesus being Christ alone. He being the Messiah. That cornerstone is another thing the Bible calls it. That rock. Everybody say rock. That rock is what Jesus said, I'll build my church on. Now, again, that's the global church. And then there's local expressions of it, like the one you're in today. That's why we call this church. Come to my church. Come experience our church. Come, come visit Family Worship Center. It's a great church. That's why we use that term. Now, look at Ephesians 4.16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Now, this is the King James Version or excuse me, the New King James Version. So we don't talk exactly like that, but I'm going to show you a different translation in just a second. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. That's why we plug into church. That's why we get involved. That's why I mentioned those five things that we do as a church, because those things guarantee that you're supplying and you're getting supplied. Let me say it again. You should be doing some sort of supply to the body. You should be doing some sort of supply to the body, some sort of contribution, right? And then you should also be receiving. So when, you, when we talk about plugging into your church or getting involved in your church or, or um, being the hands and feet of Jesus, these are all real churchy terms, but we use them because what we're trying to get across to you is when you plug in, every part does its job. Could you possibly switch over to the NLT if you can? Now, in other translations, you'll see it explained in more modern vernacular. But what's important is that you understand, again, why don't you just say it? Because I'm having you repeat a lot of stuff to kind of get this going anyways. I promise I won't have you do it all the way till 12. Probably until like 1155. Y'all laugh a little bit. Come on, let's have some fun. All right, are we up there? Meat makes the whole body fit together, everybody say perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that great? Now, you can take that down. I'm going to set up my main point today. This is probably all I'm going to get to, but it's going to be great and it'll bless you and help you. Um, right after this and in several places... Not after that, but uh, actually, go back to <clears throat> Matthew 16, 18. Because I didn't finish reading it. I got stuck on the part where it says, I'll build my church. Now, Jesus said, I'll build my church. And then he makes a statement. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, Jesus was setting up something that's very crucial for you to understand. And I guarantee you, when you leave here, you will have a clear understanding. Because he wants the number one for you to know, okay, the devil's going to try to come against the church. Now, that does not mean just uh, our building or our, our place. That will happen. But the devil wants to destroy the church. Now, I don't have time to get all into this, but there's a couple crucial reasons why. Number one, devil, the devil, if you don't know this, I'm so proud of Kaylee. I've already bragged on her once. I'm going to brag on her again. The other day, 
I don't, I guess my wife taught her this because I haven't had this discussion with her. She said, she, I said something about, you know, um, being, being in victory or living in victory over the devil or something like that. And she said, that's right. He's, he's a fallen angel. I turned around and go ahead, girl. She's in the back seat. You know, we're driving. And she said, that's right. He's a fallen angel. And he felt he fell out. Of, he wanted to be like God. And God kicked him out of heaven because no one can be like God. There's no one like our God. I said, go ahead, girl. Preach. I said, be careful, Natalie. She might she might be preaching next Sunday. if She keeps going. I have to bring her out of the out of the kids. No, what is what is, what is, what revelation has she gotten even at six years old? Just got saved a few months ago. Just accepted Jesus in her heart. She realized God is not the same as the devil. They're not even on the same playing field. They're not even in the same ballpark. They're not even the same. Some people, the world we live in has elevated the devil and has made him this like, like he's equal with God and he and God are battling back and forth. That is like a picture you've got to delete from your memory. You, you can't view the, the devil like that. That's why Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against what? Me. Everybody say that. Say me. He will not prevail against you. Will he try? Sure. But all throughout this wonderful, beautifully crafted, excellently written, no one, could, no one person could have put together this holy written Bible that we call God's word, that he called God's word. This tells us. How not only to overcome the devil, but live in a constant victorious life. The first thing you have to understand is I'm the church. We collectively are the church and the gates of hell. Satan himself have no ability to prevail against me. Will they try? Sure. But the only way you get through a gate, my dog... I have to keep him inside the gate. The only way he gets out is if he breaks through the gate, which the which devil can't do. So for this analogy, let's pretend like my dog can't break through the gate or jump over it. The only way he can get out is if I open the gate or leave it open. That's the only way. So what do we need to understand? Everybody say, I will not be deceived. I will not be deceived. Better not leave my Bible down here. I'm going to need to fling it around a little bit more. Eve had everything she could want in the garden. In Genesis, we're shown a picture of a husband and wife. The first instance of that ever, they had everything together. All, everything they could want, every bit of provision. They had the presence of God. I mean, they, they, they walked among them, talked among them, among him. I, I mean, everything they could want. And Satan came along and deceived her. Now, he did not walk up to her and say, hey, I'm Satan, and you need to bow down to me, and you need to blah, blah, blah. What did he do? He deceived her. Did God not say? See, you have to realize that one of the ways that the devil uses to try to manipulate the church is to deceive you. We're, we are what you would call... We're not a, we are non-denominational. So this next statement is not to affiliate us with a denomination, but to more state what we believe and why we believe it. So we are what you would call a full gospel church. We believe the whole Bible. Like we believe all of it. Like we believe the parts where it says Jesus came, lived, died, rose from the grave and provided salvation and eternal life for us. Pretty much all of Christianity believes that. But we also believe the parts about 
the sanctity of marriage, and that's between a man and a woman. We also believe the parts about healing. We also believe the parts about prosperity. We also believe the parts about holy, living holy, living, living a, a, yes, we are the righteousness of God in Christ, but actually living according to God's word and the statutes that are in. We believe the full gamut of scripture. Now, in doing so, you'll realize quickly that, hey, uh, the, the devil actually has the same tactics. Like he has the same thing. Like he does the same thing over and over and over again. And, and the reason is, is because of what I want to try to help you understand today, where he sits and where you sit. And you have to understand that to really function at your highest capacity in the church. You have to understand the gates of hell cannot prevail against me. They cannot win. They can try. They can, they can, they can, the devil and his demons, they can try. But again, they have the same tricks. So look at the, the first instance that we see of Satan. What did he do? Everybody say it again. Say deception. He tried to deceive Eve. He planted a thought. Did God not say? Tried to do the same thing with Jesus. Some of the three temptations that we saw with Jesus were a little bit more outright. He took Jesus up, said, hey, I'll give you all this. But then he also took Jesus and he twisted scripture. Now, how did Jesus respond? With the word. So what you have to realize is that, again, the, the devil's tactics are not different. I want to help you out with something today. If you ever, if you ever feel defeated, like I'm not going to make it, I'm not going to get out of this, I'm not going to, I don't know how, like anytime you feel defeated, guess what? That's the devil talking. Anytime you feel sorry for yourself, you're not going to find that in the Bible. God loves you. He's for you. His word declares everything he's provided for you. He, so if you talk, every time you feel sorry for, oh, I'm just, I'm just no good. I'm just, I just can't. That's a lie from hell. That's a deception. And what the devil will try to do, see, he, he's figured out, and I'm not trying to spend the whole service praising the devil because that's not the point, but I want you to realize, because I know some people like me, I never realized this, but when this clicked, I immediately began to see in my life, oh, that's the devil. Okay, this is God over here. This is good. Oh, that's the devil again trying to, and you, when you realize this, it helps you identify what in your life is coming from God and what's coming from the devil? So when you realize these deceptions are the devil, it helps you. So again, what he'll do is if, if, if he can get the whole church, instead of saying, hey, worship me, he doesn't actually need you to worship him to go to hell. He just needs you not to worship God. I just need to not believe the Bible. I just need to not actually believe, okay, Maybe you're saved, but he'll make your life here on a living hell if he can get you to not believe that healing's for you. How often do you hear? I, I, I bet some of you have even had to de defend yourself coming to this church because I teach healing and preach on healing. And you might, uh, oh, oh, that's a health and wealth gospel. No, it's actually the Bible. Like, it's actually like, like every time I teach on health or wealth or prosperity, it's like I use actual scripture I don't twist them I don't like I use lots of scripture because I know I can't argue with this and neither can you 
But what will the devil do? He'll make you, he'll make you, now I know, how many of y'all have heard, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have heard this statement? Now I know the Bible says that, but why is there a but at the end of that sentence? If the sentence should end right there, I know the Bible says that, period, on period, right there, done. That's the end of the, I, you know what, I know the Bible says that. And if I know the Bible says that, then that's what I choose to believe. I'm not going to believe anything contradictory to it. I'm not going to add a but behind it and say, oh, well, then, uh, I guess that just doesn't apply to me. No, see, what people do is they base their life on, on uh, experiences instead of doctrine, instead of scripture. So if Aunt Betty did, you know, prayed for healing and didn't get healed, then, well, healing must not really be true. No, that's Aunt Betty. I don't know why Aunt Betty didn't get healed, but God's word is still true. And the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord. And you do not know Aunt Betty's heart, like her spirit. You do not know what God may have told her or not told her. You do not know. You do not. You will never know. That's between her and God. You do not know. So then other, other I, I know a lady. Man, this breaks my heart. And you may have had this same thing happen to you or someone you know, where she was, had a, has a great family, beautiful kids, successful. Her kids are successful. They're, 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 uh, I think they're all either in college or out of college. And, um, and she's from around here. So, so in the couple times that, that we had done some business together, um, you know, my wife and I had gotten to know her. And so I invited her to church. And finally, one day, she, like after the third time, she basically let me know I'm not coming. I said, why not? Why wouldn't you come? It's a great church. She said, well, my husband passed away several years ago. I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm so sorry to hear that. I can't believe that. I, you know, I'm so sorry. She said, yeah. And so she tells me the story about how he passed away. Then she says this, at his funeral, my uncle, I believe it was her uncle or some family member, who's a pastor who does not obviously read the same Bible I read, makes this statement. Well, God killed whatever his name was, her husband, and had to take him and comes up with this whole story to try to, I guess, provide some peace to the family and more or less makes the statements that, that God needed to take his life and that God killed him. Now, I know the Bible. I'll give you just one scripture. This is, I could give you more, but John 10.10, 10, what does it say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, where in that is God? Thank you for getting on the screen so fast. Where in that? Where? Where in that is God? God is after it. I have come. What did Jesus come? To give us life, not take it away. And so I don't know what Bible that guy read, but she makes this statement. From that day to this, I cannot wrap my head around worshiping a God that would take my husband. Deception. Now, since then, every time we've, not every time, but so we've, we've continued to see her. I, I continue to try to invite her, try to minister to her. But you can just sense the hardness of her heart from a deception of the devil that has nothing to do with this, but everything to do with an experience. And experiences cannot form our doctrine. This does. Do you see it? Do you see the difference? Do you see how dangerous that is? To make statements like that. Well, I know, I know the Bible says that, but we have to use wisdom. Okay, well, what wisdom is higher than this? I know, I know the Bible says to give and it shall be given. 
I already did the offering, so I probably shouldn't use an offering scripture, but it's another one that people deceive people. But I'm just, I've got to use my money wisely and all that. Man, we, we make our income, the, work, the income we have is so minimal. Yet we own a home, own cars, have savings, have investments, kids, everything paid for. They have everything they need. We eat good, live good, feel good, wear nice clothes. Why? Because we give. Because I actually followed this. And I, I'm not going to, now I used to live in deception, but I'm not going to live in deception today. Do you see it? Everybody say this. Say, I will not be deceived any longer. Let me show it to you. Because what I want to give you today, I want to give you, now we're going to flip it to the positive. I'm, I don't want to focus on the devil anymore. I think I've clearly outlined he's a deceiver. The Bible actually says that he's a liar. He's the deceiver of the brethren. That he's, a, he's the chief liar. He's a liar of liars. And so the Bible's made it clear that he's a liar. But I want to give you something positive. You ready? Get your notepads out. Get your notes app on your phone ready. If you're watching online, put these in the comments. I want to give you seven things that God says you have as the church. You could write it short form like this. Seven things that belong to me. Now, I could give you more, but for the sake of time and because seven's a good number, I'm going to give you seven. Seven things that belong to me. And I'm going to do it primarily by looking at Ephesians, the first two chapters. So turn over there to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to start with the third verse. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Everybody point to yourself and say, that's me. Who has blessed us with what? With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who did what? Who has. Not will. Not going to. This is not future tense. That's revelation. This is has. He has blessed me with every spiritual blessing so number one when i now i'm gonna write this statement like this when i plug into god's church when i plug into the church meaning that i do everything that's in the bible i have and then i'm gonna have each one all right so i have every spiritual blessing write that down number one i have every spiritual blessing if you want to you can just write at the top God says, I have, colon, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm going to give you seven of them. Number one, Ephesians 1, 3, I have every spiritual blessing. I'm not going to have them. When I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I step into a life. It's like stepping into a portal. You ever seen those movies where they whip up some portal and then they step through it? They were in New York and then all of a sudden they're on planet whatever. Okay, God, God, it was really quiet for a few seconds there. I thought, my goodness, we got a bunch of holy people in here. Never watched a Marvel movie. Praise God. Real anointed people in here today. Okay. So they whip up the portal, and you're in one place, and you step. That is literally in the spirit. I understand. Yes. If I got saved at Family Worship Center, after I say that prayer, I'm still in Family Worship Center. But in the spirit. Now, to quickly break that down, what does that mean? The Bible says that we do not war against flesh and blood, but against every spirit and principality to the pulling down of strongholds. What does that mean? That's real spiritual. That basically means that the, 
battles we have, the Bible uses this word, they're not carnal. They're not fleshly. So I, if, if I were to not get along, come here, Brother Darrell, because he and I get along very well, so this is not true at all. But if he and I were not getting along, he's not saved. He is. But we're to pretend. He's not saved. I'm saved. And so I'm going to work every day. I'm living my saved life. I got my, 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 my Bible with me. I got my social posts with Bible scriptures. I'm not drinking. I'm not boozing. I'm not clubbing. I'm, I, I, my, my wife and I are living right. I'm not sleeping around. At work, if he is not living that way, he's going to probably not get along with me very well. We might be able to get along like on the surface. Hey, man, how you doing? We might be cordial. But he's, something in him is not going to like me. What is that? There's a spiritual thing under the surface or something that we can't see with our natural eyes that's literally happening where, where if, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm just having a person here to, to vibe with me, but this is not him. But if it were a person, there would be, a, a spiritual demonic influence. I'm not saying they're demon-possessed. I'm saying there's an influence there. There's an influence there. What, what, why do we know this? Because the Bible says, Jesus literally said, I'm going to build my church on the fact that Jesus is Christ and the gates of hell will try to deceive you, but they will not prevail against it. So the only way they prevail is if what? I open the gate and let them in. So if I keep my gate up around him, he don't like it. Not him, but what's behind him. Do you see it? So if you've ever wondered why, I just can't get along with her. I just can't get along. Every time I go, I have, it's probably not the job if you're living right. If you're doing the right thing. If you get along with everybody as a saved person, you might not be. I'm just, I'm just saying. Because somehow, someway, there's going to be some point where you go to something and say, I love you, but I can't agree with that. I have family members that I love greatly, but their lifestyle choices, this happens. This happens all the time. I love them, but if I spend enough time with them, it rubs. It, it's, it just, it's, it does, we don't get along. And so they, they think, well, I don't understand why you don't spend any time with us. It's not because I don't love you. It's because because of your choices, I, when we get together, it, it, it causes a conflict that I don't want to deal with. And, 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 you know, I'm using family as an example because they're, they're the heart, because they know where I used to be, so they want to bring all that up. I ain't that person anymore. That's really bad grammar. <clears throat> I am not thou former self. I am not. <laughs> I'm not. So what happens? So until that person gets saved, whatever influence there is going to be, there's a spiritual battle. Well, what do you have? You have every spiritual what? Blessing. So you are living a spiritually blessed life. Now, if you keep your guard up, now I'm not saying be mean. The Bible is clear about how we should treat others. We should love others. We should love a person in this case. Love them. But love them does not mean go hang out with them at the bar and try to get them saved on two notch at 3 a.m. Especially... If your past used to be living on, you know, you don't even remember. How did I get on two notch? I don't even know. Man, last night was crazy. Well, then don't go with them when they invite you. You pray for them and you walk in every spiritual blessing. Here's what I want to tell you on this point. Don't give your blessings away because someone else 
is it's a spiritual battle. Y'all give Darrell a round of applause. Number two, I'm going to blow through them. I got to go quick. We got to eat. Everybody hungry? Praise God. Number two, look at Ephesians. We're going to skip down to verse seven. In him, we have, a lot of the scripture is talking about what we have in Christ. That's why I worded this. In God, I have. God has given me through Jesus these things. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. According to what? The riches of his grace. I have, everybody say redemption. Number two. I have redemption. Look at verse 18, skipping down. And I'm going to read this one from uh, that same translation. The other one I used. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. If you want to know how to pray for other people, take the prayers that Paul prayed in Ephesians, Philippians. These are great prayers to pray for other people. You can literally take this and put Betty... John, Paul, Fred, some other, give me, give me some names. Huh? Sam, John, give me some other names. Julio. Okay, good. We needed some multicultural names. That's what I was missing. My bad. I get, that was all, I had all real white names, didn't I? They were all real white. Fred, Betty, Sue. Good night. All right. Mark, Sean, those are, those are multicultural. They work for any culture. Okay. So I pray that Mark's heart will be flooded with light so that you can so that Mark can understand the confident hope that he has given to Mark, who he called his holy people, who are his who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So you can pray this over people. Look at that. Everybody say his holy people. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Another deception that the devil will give you. He will make you feel like you are who you used to be. And he'll remind it up. He'll, 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 he'll have people surround you that just remind you about, oh, well, you used to tell jokes like that. Well, I don't anymore. Leave me alone. I'm not trying to please you, Bob. I'm not. I don't care if, you, if I get your approval or not. I don't need you to like me. I need one not a human being, but one spirit, one person. He is a person, the person of God. One person's approval, and that's God's. That's all I need. So I don't need, I don't need, I don't, why, why, don't give, don't set, you are redeemed. You are a holy people. I'm not, you, let me give you another one. I, 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 I shouldn't say hate. Really strongly dislike this phrase. I am just an old sinner saved by grace. No, let me help you. I was. I am saved by grace. And I am now, according to the Bible, remember this is what we live by, according to the Bible, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a holy people. I am not, I am not, I was an old sinner. See, this is the problem. If if the devil can get you identify with, well, I'm just a sinner, all I do is sin, my, my, my daddy drank, and my mama did drugs, and whatever, and, and that's just what we do, then he'll have you identify your whole life with a lie, because he's a deceiver. But if you realize, no, 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 see, that's not right. I don't, I don't build doctrine off of that. I don't build my life off of that. I 
am a holy people. Come on, this is really good. This is really good. I am a holy people. I am not who I was. All right, number three. Look at this. Ephesians 1.18. At the end of it says, His rich and glorious inheritance. Number three, I have an inheritance. Now, I spent a lot of time on this a few weeks ago, so I'm going to gloss over this one. But what does this mean? That the, the blessings of Abraham are an inheritance to you. That you have a physical inheritance here in this earth and in the one to come. Number four, look at the next couple verses. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ. Man, this is so good. This is why you have to understand. When the devil comes against me, I, I, I'm not fighting a losing battle. I don't know, uh, uh, you know what's going to happen or how. I don't know. How, listen, listen, listen to this scripture. Let it get in your spirit. I also pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for who? For us who believe in him. This is what kind of power? The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Look at Romans 8 11. Actually, stay there on the, well, on the screen. You might be able to keep up with me. But in your Bibles, if you have a physical Bible, say in Ephesians 1. But quickly, what does Romans 8 11 say? If the spirit of him, who? Jesus Christ. If the spirit of Jesus, or the spirit of God, you can say the, God, the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life where? See, don't, don't tell me, number, five, number four, where are we on, number four? God's power. And then you could put in there God's healing power, God's, God's supernatural power, you can describe it however you want to, but it's not, it's not just random power. It's not just some ethereal power that you get when you get to heaven. It's real power you have access to today. It doesn't, it doesn't say in your spiritual body, in my mortal body, right here. That's why the guy and I don't get along. I want to get along with him. I'm being nice. I'm showing the love of Christ. I'm doing everything I can. But if he wants hell, then he's going to have a problem with me. And it's not because of me like, oh, I don't look good. See, don't buy that lie. I'm just not good enough. No, don't buy that lie. I'm just not nice enough. Don't buy that lie. It's because you're a Christian and you're serving God and there's something inside of you that people don't like. There's a power in you, in your mortal body. You have it. It's something you should wear. It's something you should walk around with. Not be afraid of. Again, not be cocky, not be over the top. I'm not saying that you're entitled. I'm, I, not in a negative sense entitled. You are entitled as a child of God to experience God's blessings. My kids get to go in my refrigerator. Because they're my kids. You get to go in God's refrigerator. You get to go in his pantry. You get to go in his wallet. You do. Don't look at me funny. Don't be afraid to ask God for some money. It's his. And he gave you the power to go and get it, and he'll tell you how to get it. Let's keep reading. 
Ephesians 1, 21 through 23. Now he, Jesus, is far above. Everybody say that. Say far above. Any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Gosh, that's good. I could preach a whole sermon on that. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. That's part two of the same sermon. God has, verse 22, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. That's real important. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Notice where God, God put Jesus and what he put underneath him. And the church, his body, verse 23, everybody say, I'm his body. That's what we are. We're the body of Christ. I said it earlier. Now I'm showing it to you. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere himself. So jump from there to chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. So just flip, you know, flip the page or whatever. This is the next chapter. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. Everybody say life. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Number five, life. Life. Now, I already hit that one pretty hard earlier. I already brought up John 10, 10 and all that. So I'm going to go on quickly to number six. Number five, I have life. Life in this life and life in the life to come. I have life. You are, you are no longer dead. I was dead, but I'm no longer dead. I am alive. Now, number six. This one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull from a different set of scriptures, but it ties into what we just read. But to, to make it all fit together, let's look at Luke 10. Starting in verse 1 of Luke 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. So Lord Jesus is on earth. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to send out 70 to do my work. You're going out ahead of me. He sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So Jesus is about to go minister. He sends out 70 in pairs. All right. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest, which is what we pray today. I told you to pray that earlier for your lost ones. Skip to verse 17. Look at how they returned. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, look at what they were excited about. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. That's pretty amazing. They went out. They went out to go, go, go uh, uh, prepare the way for Jesus to come, to preach the gospel, to let people know about who Jesus was, that he's here and he's coming. They go out, and you have to realize, in the Old Testament, there was never any demon cast out. Elijah and all those, they raised people from the dead, but no demons. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus comes, and the demons are trembling. He walks around, and, and, and they start, going, they start uh, manifesting. Why? Because he's... God in the flesh. That's why I tell you, your spirit that's in you is not just some random spirit. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Now notice this. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, Jesus said to the disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And he said to them, to the disciples, or, or, I already read that. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Verse 19. Look at this. Look at this. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over 
all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So what do we praise God for? We praise God for the ability that I, or for not the ability, but the fact that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. That's what my praise is focused on. That's what I thank God for. But what do I do on earth while I'm here? I walk around with my shield of faith and my sword of the spirit and I punch the devil every time I get a chance. You seem mighty upset about it. I'm not upset, brother. I I'm, want I'm, I'm you to leave this room realizing the authority and power. See, there's, you have both. You have the power in you and the spirit and the authority. If you went out and stood in the middle of Clemson Road right now and held up your hand, you will get run over and we'll have your funeral on Saturday. <laughs> However, if you go out with a uniform on in a city of Columbia police badge or a, a highway patrol hat, car with some flashing lights, they do it every Sunday at the church down the road. You can see them. You do it and they walk out. Does that man or that woman have the power to stop the car? No. But do they have the authority? And if you hit that person, you go to jail for life. You're gone. Because he had the authority to tell you to stop and you didn't listen. You have authority to tell the devil, no. No. I live by this. You get out of my house. You leave me alone. You get out of my family. Sickness is not welcome here. Poverty and lack is not welcome here. I'm not. I'm not living by the. Number six, number six is authority, and it ties right into number seven. You can almost put them together, but I really wanted seven points. Number seven, I'm going to give it to you, then we're going to read the scripture. Number seven is dominion. Go ahead and stand, stand up. I want, to, I want to read this one to you, and then we're going to repeat some stuff as we close. Number seven, dominion. Ephesians 2, 6, going back where we left off. What does it say? For he, God, raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him. Where are we seated? He's seated in heaven and so are we. I, I, God's, God's the, or Jesus is the head of the church. I'm not, I, I understand. You're here at Family Worship Center in Northeast Columbia. I get it. But where are you spiritually? You are seated in heavenly places far above. So I brought up the fact that we fight a spiritual battle in this world. Yes, that's true. But you are fighting a winning battle. As a matter of fact, you've already won. The only reason you lose is if you allow the deceiver the same way he deceived Eve to deceive you into, well... I guess that's not for me. Well, I know the Bible says that, but. And you lose, not because you don't have what I'm telling you you have today, but because you don't exercise it. You go out and you stand in the middle of the road and you don't put your badge on. You don't put your outfit on. You don't go out there with the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Dominion. Devil has the arena of feelings and all that I talked about earlier, and God has the arena of faith. When you bring the devil into the arena of faith, he loses every time. If you try to fight the devil in the arena of your feelings and your emotions, you'll lose every time. 
1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Now, I don't have time to read all of it, but he's talking about Satan and his demons. You have overcome them because he who is in you, point to yourself, say, that's me. That's a capital H. So the Holy Spirit that's in you is greater than he who is in the world. Look at it in the Amplified. I don't know if y'all can pull that. Oh, no, it's so good. Little children, you are of God. You belong to him. And you have already. I'm, I'm not going to one day walk in victory. That's why oh, I'm victorious now. Come on. Right now. I have, if, if it were a race, I had the checkered flags waving behind me. If it were a, 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 an award ceremony, I've already got the, the gold stat. I'm already holding it. They can go ahead and do the award ceremony, but I already won. I, I'm victorious. You have already defeated and overcome them. Who? The agents of the Antichrist. Because he who lives in you is greater and mightier than he who lives in the world. I want everybody to repeat this after me. Say, I'm seated. Come on. Don't say it like an Episcopalian church. Say it like a full gospel, Holy Spirit-filled church. Come on. Say, I'm seated. Far above. I'm seated. In heavenly places. I'm seated. Where Satan has no ability to win. I am a victor. I'm victorious. I have the victory. I win. I don't lose. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now this next part, I'm going to say things and then I want you to say, I have dominion. All right? So I'm going to say it and then you say, I have dominion. All compulsive actions and addictions. Come on. Say it like you actually want dominion over it. All compulsive actions and addictions. Depression and suicidal thoughts. Worry and anxiety. Fear. A broken home. Despondency. All sickness. All disease. Poverty. Lack. Demon spirits. Satan himself, death, hell, and sin. I, someone say it with me, say, I have dominion. Have 